Welcome back to another episode of a Quick Timeout Podcast. On this episode, I talked to Coach Steve Forbes, head men's basketball coach for the East Tennessee State men's basketball team. This past May, I attended a Nike basketball clinic that Coach Forbes was speaking at. All of this stuff was great, but I especially was interested in hearing more about the GRACE acronym that he uses with his players to teach team culture. Coach Forbes was a great guest, and I know you'll get some great stuff out of listening to this episode. Quick housekeeping note, big thanks to our friends at 323 Sports for sponsoring this episode. 323 Sports is a team dealer specializing in sports uniforms, equipment, footwear, and apparel. To find out more about 323 Sports and how they can help your athletic program, visit 323sports.com. All right, on to my conversation with Coach Steve Forbes. Joining us today is Coach Steve Forbes, head coach of the East Tennessee State men's basketball team. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time for us. Thanks, Tony. I really appreciate you having me on. I had the privilege of hearing Coach Forbes this past May at the Nike Basketball Clinic, and I thought he'd be great to have on the show to talk about working with your players to create a strong team culture. Coach, before we start talking about the specifics about your program and, and what you do with your guys, can you begin by just talking a little bit about where you've been to this point in your career and how those different stops have shaped you as a coach? That might be a whole different podcast in itself. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a lot of stops along the way. I wouldn't change my path for anything, Tony. Um, started out 31 years ago at a junior college in Iowa, Southwestern Community College. And I was there for four years, and I went to Barton County Community College in Great Bend, Kansas. Had a great experience there. Was a, I was a head coach at Creston at a very young age, at bank 24 and then went to be an assistant again back at Barton County. Uh, became the head coach at Barton County at 28, 29. Um, and then took my first Division One job at the University of Idaho with Dave Farrar, who Dave was a close personal friend of mine and had been won the national championship at Hutch. And I went there for a couple of years and then left and went to Louisiana Tech with Keith Richard. And we were in the Sun Belt for one year and then went into the WAC and the travel and the whack at La Tech was, you can imagine, you're playing home and home with Hawaii. It's a long trip. Um, I left there and went back towards my home. I'm from Iowa originally. I went to Illinois State and worked with the first of three Final Four coaches I've been able to work under, Porter Moser. Uh, Porter was the head coach at Illinois State. I was there with him. And then I went with Billy Gillespie to Texas A&M. I think that's kind of when my career kind of started to climb Billy's a tremendous coach, one of the best coaches I've ever been with. And we turned that program around Texas A&M. And um, then I went to Tennessee with Bruce Pearl. And uh, we won 25 games a year, went to the Elite Eight. You know, and then we got fired. And, you know, after 22 years of being in the profession, I got fired for the first time. And it it teaches you a lot about yourself. And I went back to junior college in Northwest Florida in down in, in lovely Niceville, Florida, and had a tremendous run there. We went to two straight national championship games, and I think we went 62-6 and six and, and had the opportunity after that to get hired, you know, for uh, by Greg Marshall at Wichita coming off a of Final Four year. And my first year in Wichita, we went 35-1, and one, and the next year we went 30-4. and four, So I, it, was, it was pretty easy when I was there, but we had uh, great players, um, professional NBA players, and, after my second year, East Tennessee State called me and came out and interviewed me and offered me the job, and now I'm entering my fifth year here at East Tennessee State. So uh, my good friend Nick Nurse just won the, the world championship with the uh, Toronto Raptors, and him and I 
I've been friends for nearly 30 years. And when I was back home speaking at an event for him, I said, I might be the only person in basketball that has as many jobs as he has. <laughs> I'm really interested to, to hear from you about what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. um, culture is one of those buzzwords that we talk a lot about and how important it is and how we all need to have it in our programs. But I'd like to be just as practical as possible for coaches who are listening. And so when it comes to this idea of culture building, mm -hmm. where or how? does that whole process start with your players when they enter your program? I think that's a tremendous question. And I hear that, that buzz phrase or catchphrase a lot. I think before you can have culture, you have to have identity. I think culture is something that takes time over the years. It takes years. I mean, I'm in year five and I could tell you now that, you know, we have a pretty strong culture, but we didn't when I came here. So I think you have to have identity. And you have to know what you're about. Your team has to know what they are about. And so on the floor, our identity is the same it's been since I got here. And I can't tell you how many times over the years when I was coaching, you know, scouting and big games in the SEC, the Big 12 even, and all the leagues I've coached in, sometimes I would ask myself, what is this team that I'm looking at really trying to accomplish? I don't think they really know who they are. And I knew when I got my first chance to be a head coach, at least our players would know what we're about. And the first thing of our identity is we're going to play hard, we're going to play smart, we're going to play together. And I feel like if you come watch us play, you should at least see that. You may not know what offense or defense we're running, but you'll understand that my guys play hard. They don't always play smart. That's hard. But they do play together. Um, the other thing that we stand for is we share the ball on offense. We're going to move the ball, and everybody's going to touch it. You know, it's an equal opportunity offense. Um, our other thing is we're gritty, grimy, and we're tough on defense. You know, our teams have always been – my teams have always been very good defensively, and that's something that's very, very important to me. The fourth thing is kind of odd, but I think it wins games, is we're going to grab every ball with two hands. And – you know, I don't think that's something that a lot of people, you know, put an emphasis on, but I do every day. And I think my assistant coaches get tired of me saying it. You know, grab the ball with two hands. Get the ball with two hands. Uh, that's something that's very important. And the last thing is do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it on and off the court. And before you can have culture, you know, I believe you have to have an identity on the court. And then I believe that when you start recruiting players – to your program, they have to understand what your core values are as far as off the court and on the court and how, you know, what type of people that you want in your program. And I think core values are kind of like fundamental beliefs that dictate, you know, how your program's behavior. And it gives them, our kids, the basis for consistent decision making, you know, regardless of the difficult challenges they face on and off the court. You know, I think core values establish a foundation aimed at kind of how we conduct ourselves and go about our business, you know, on a daily basis. And I think that was something that I spoke about a little bit when you heard me at the clinic in Myrtle was, I talked about grace, you know, and it's an acronym for our core values. And um, it, it's my great grandmother's name was grace and she had 156 grandkids, believe it or not, when she passed away. I'm from a big, small town in Iowa. But I think I want people in my program, and this is a culture thing, that are grateful, that have gratitude. You know, I don't. I want them 
to understand we're not entitled to anything. You have to be grateful for everything. We're grateful for the opportunity we've been given. And we give back to those who need our help in our community. And we do a lot of community service here. One of the things I'm most proud of, we've won 100 games in four years. A lot of people want to talk about that. But we graduated every player, and we and we lead our, our athletic department in community service uh, in our community. And I think that's really important. we got to be thankful for those who've helped us, and we got to make a difference in other people's lives. So I think being grateful and having gratitude is very important. I think being respectful is very important. And, you know, we want to respect – all people at all times and all ways. And I, and I think a good way to look at that is you want to treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, most people don't like to be treated poorly. So don't, you know, treat people poorly. And, you know, I want my guys to carry themselves with class at all times. And I think, you know, if, if these, if these kids can understand just these things, no matter what they get in their education or how many games we win or what degree they get, if they can learn these things, then I think they have a chance to be very, you know, successful in life. Uh, the third thing is accountable. I can't stand the blame game. You have to, you know, and I went through it. I got fired. You know, we got fired for an NCAA violation. And I got a show cause. And so I had to be accountable for my actions. And I was. And I, I looked in the mirror. And so I expect my players to do, you know, to do the same thing is don't play the blame game, you know, and, and, I'm not good at that. I don't like that. I want people to be accountable. People are going to make mistakes, but be accountable for who you are and your actions. Then I want guys that are committed, you know, committed, you know, expect, I, I want them to give their best effort every day on and off the court, you know, and understand that hard work is a choice. You know, it doesn't depend upon talent, you know, and I, I use this a lot when I, when I, you know, I talk to people is only in the dictionary does success come before work. And, you know, I want guys to be timely and prompt and accurate. I want both feet in. You know, I'm big on that Pat Riley book about having both feet in. There's no life in between. And just striving to be your best, you know. And so, you know, grace or gratitude, respectful, accountable, committed. You know, and the last thing is just being enthusiastic. And I think if you can tell by my voice, I like my job. I love what I do. And, and when I quit loving it, I'm not going to do it anymore. And so I want people around me that their glass is more half full than half empty, you know, and, and I believe that your attitude determines your altitude. And uh, I want to surround myself with energy givers and not energy takers. And these are things that, that we talk about a lot with our team. So, you know, on top of having an identity on the court, and then when we go out and we recruit the top of young men to come to our program, then grace becomes a very important issue for us besides obviously the ability to play and their talent. You've been doing this for a long time. And I, w I would guess that as the years have gone by, you've observed not things just connected to culture, but things that maybe kids value now more than they did before or the way to think about things. What would you say are maybe the one or two things that have changed the most and how have you adapted to continue to reach your players? Well, social media has changed everything. Um, I mean, I started, guys, I know you're going to have a hard time understanding this, but there wasn't even a computer or the internet when I started coaching. And there wasn't uh, a cell phone or a Garmin. You had to know how to read a map to go somewhere. Um, you had to go to a pay phone to make a call. 
Um, you know, there was no Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. There was none of that. And so what has happened is, you know, all these things have affected young people. And it's really become more of that, what I would call the disease of me, like Pat Riley talks about. You know, it's so much about them. And, you know, it's it's always about making a big announcement or, you know, saying something on Twitter. And, you know, and I think what you have to understand is, you know, first you got to understand what those things are about. And then I think when you talk to your kids, you got they got to understand that once you put something on social media, it's out there forever. Mm-hmm. And your future employers are looking at that, you know. And so, you know, I try to talk to them a lot about how they handle that. And, and the way what I tell them is this, you know, when you're getting ready to tweet something or put something on social media or make a decision, that's a tough decision. And you need to put the most important person in your life right on your shoulder mm-hmm. and look at them and decide, if, you know, if the decision you make makes them happy. If it does make it. If it don't, then don't do it. And so um, it, there, there's so many other distractions, guys. You know, Tony, from when I, start, when I started coaching, you know, with the social media, um, everything's on – all the games are on TV. Everything's streamed. I mean, I grew up in a time when you – know, I grew up in Iowa – right outside of Iowa City, Iowa. I, you know, I didn't even – I maybe saw one Iowa Hawkeye basketball game on television hmm. all season. Okay, it just it wasn't like that then, and now everything's out there. So there's a lot more uh, distractions for these guys that they have to manage. So I hear a lot of times coaches saying those kinds of things, and then just kind of like shaking their head, and they almost are like victims of the situation, and they're really kind of like down on it. But it would just seem to me, I don't know if this is accurate, but it seems to me like you've really embraced it. And talking before the show, even you got a great media team there with you. Mm-hmm. Have that. Has that been something that you have intentionally done mm-hmm. to get better with the alumni, with the players, with the people who are in your program to positively affect the culture there? For sure. Um, Twitter kind of started getting popular when I was at Tennessee and as an assistant. I didn't see it as my place as an assistant to use it in that manner, and so I didn't use it. Um, when I went to Northwest Florida as a head coach, I used it. I started getting involved. And, and and if you follow me, I make, listen, I make fun of myself more than anything. I, I, I have fun with it. Okay. And but that's part of it though. Yeah. And so, of them knowing you and who you really are yeah. and getting to know you. And the, okay. And so when I came here, that was one of the things we talked about when, when they, you know, tried to ask me to be the coach and interview me was to engage our community students, everybody in this Tri-City area on social media. And I said, sure, fine. And so I use Twitter um, for that. I use Facebook. I'm not, I do a little Instagram. I don't use Snapchat. I leave that to my assistants. I stay off that. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there's no doubt that, that listen, people want to feel like they know you. They want to feel like they can touch you. I live in a small community. I mean, I say it's small, it's 60,000 people. But, I mean, I'm a, I, I want people to understand that I'm just like them. I'm not untouchable. I'm not above them. And I'm trying to engage them. And listen, hey, we sold the most season tickets in the history of the program last year. We've led the league in attendance the last three years. It's Yeah, we've won a lot. 
But I also think people understand that they, they know it. I think they feel like they know us. Mm-hmm. They can touch us. And so, um, yeah, sometimes I get a little wore out on it, Tony. You know, sometimes, obviously, after a loss, everybody jumps off the cliff and thinks, <laughs> you know, you're a dumb coach or, you know, whatever. You know, I have to deal with that sometimes. But the, the I think the positives far outweigh the negatives. And it's the same thing. You know, you said something about circumstances. I tell my guys all the time, you can't be a victim of your own circumstances. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't come to practice and say, well, you know, why didn't you have good practice? Well, my mom uh, got in an f- argument with her boyfriend. Well, that you can't be a victim of the circumstances. You have to live your life. And and I don't, you know, that's the way social media, I'm not going to be a victim of it. I, it's there. It's not going away. So you might as well embrace it, and it's a good way to communicate. You do a great job on there, and your your program does a great job, and it's allowed me to be able to find out more about you. And this is kind of shifting gears a little bit, but you and your team are about to head out overseas for a few days. What are you hoping that does for your guys as a group collectively? Yeah, I think it, first of all, I the majority of my guys will be in some country probably over there playing in the, a few years from now. I think we have twelve or fourteen guys since I've been here already playing overseas. So I think for one thing, it gives them the opportunity to go into some different cultures and see maybe, you know, Hey, I can do this. You know, I I think for the basketball portion of it, I think that's important. I think the 10 practices or the 10 days leading up to it are important. I don't think the games are all that important to be honest with you. Now I have a history degree. Okay. And I use it all the time with my players and they get tired of it. But But I think, historically and culturally and educationally, this is an unbelievable trip. You know, no offense. I I didn't want to take a trip to the Bahamas or Canada because, I mean, I think those are places those kids can go when they are done playing. You know, you can get on Southwest Airlines or whatever and fly to the Bahamas. This is a place, these are some things that these kids may, may never ever get experience again in their life. And I wanted to give them that opportunity. They're taking a, um, I have, we have developed a three-hour course in conjunction with the class. The instructor, the professor is going with us. Mm. Um, so they've been taking class since July 1 uh, about the culture and the history of these countries that we're going to. Um, and then Dr. Johnson is going with us, and there'll probably be some times they'll present uh, at some historical sites when we go visit them. So I think those are the most important things. And I think the the, the – the thing of bonding, you know, um, this is the first time Tony in a long, since I've been, I've had this many people back. Mm. Um, you know, last year I, I had 10 new guys, you know, this year I have seven, of my top eight back. And, um, so I think the bonding and the, the camaraderie will be really good. Um, Lucas Gasson is from the, he's from the Netherlands. So his parents can come and see him. I think that's invaluable. And so, um, you know, I think it's going to be a great trip. Last question. This one's just for fun. You mentioned you're a history guy. So aside from the basketball part, what, what part of the trip are you personally looking forward to the most? Well, I don't need, I don't want to be morbid here, but I'm, I, I want, I'm, in, I'm very interested to go to Dachau. Um, mm-hmm. I have studied the Holocaust for a long time, read a lot, watched a lot. I've been to, um, to Raisin which is in uh, Slovakia, which is in the Czech Republic outside of Prague. So Dachau is a little bit different level of concentration camp that I'm interested to go see. Now, I know it'll be a very solemn day, 
mm-hmm. but it's something that for me personally that um that i want to go see i haven't been to munich um the beer hall there where hitler um had the beer hall pooch in 1922 or 23 i'm interested to go there um I've been to Vienna. I've been to Prague. I haven't been to Budapest. So, um, these are, this for me personally, I think those are the things that I'm probably looking forward to the most. Sounds like it's going to be a great experience and basketball will definitely be a lot of fun for the guys. And I'll be following along on social media. I love the history too. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of those photos and those videos. So don't let me down on social media. Make sure you're, we'll be coming strong. You know that. We'll be I like that. Strong. Yeah. Coach, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, I really enjoyed it and uh, appreciate you doing this and uh, have me back anytime. I'd love to do it again. Just really quickly, if you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard. You can even make money from your podcast no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and share the podcast with your coaching friends to help us grow the game. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.